This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Thank you, Diva. Thank you. Oh, well, hey, it's, it's, uh, it's, I think it's been like six weeks since our family has landed here in Petaluma and, and stepped into this adventure of being in church with you. And, you know, like, it's fun for me showing up on a Sunday. I'm getting to see some familiar faces, but I still don't know, like, who's new and who's regular. So it's kind of cool. So there's, there's no awkwardness between us because it's like your first time. Cool. It's still sort of mine. And so it's fun as we just kind of we're in the space together. And, and I just want you to know, like, I'm so glad you're here. Like wherever you're coming from today or this week and whatever your story is, like whatever you believe or don't believe, I'm just glad you're here. Because I, I think if we're willing to kind of just lean in together, we can learn some neat things. I think that there's this God who's good and he's got life for us. And Maybe you're still like wondering, I don't even know if there is one or not, but let me just tell you, I, I, I think there is, and I think he, he has you here for a reason. Um, and if we're willing to lean in, maybe we can learn something from each other. And so I'm, I'm glad you're here today. And I think God's got some neat stuff as we, we kick off a new series today, kind of looking at this idea of, of doors and opportunities and how do we step into the things that, that God wants to lead us into in life. And, and, and I love learning from people. I love learning from all sorts of people, especially like the wise sages of life, like from old and current times. And, and there's one person that I've really come to appreciate their voice in my life, like from when I was a kid. I love this person, Ted, Dr. Ted. You know who this is? You, you maybe know him as Dr. Seuss, like just a brilliant philosopher. And as a kid, you enjoy the books, but as you get older and you begin to kind of read the stories, you realize this guy had a lot of wisdom and truth to share. And so there's this one book that I thought was so great called, Oh, the Places You'll Go. Do you remember this one? Yeah, and it's so fun. And, and there's, there's some things, I just wanted to read a little bit in it because I think there's some wisdom that sets up a little bit of a tone for us as we, as we run into this. But this is some of what he writes, and I cherry picked a few of the lines, so it's obviously it's a bigger treat at is than what I'm going to read here, but I'm just going to read a snippet. But he says this, he goes, hey, you have brains in your head. You have feet on your shoes, and you can steer yourself any direction you choose. I love how it rhymes, because he's so smart. And he says, all the places you'll go. As if there's like this open road before us and this opportunity to step into amazing things and an adventure called life. And and he says, except when you don't. right? Because sometimes you won't. Isn't that true? Like there's times in my life where I've held back and I missed moments, and and I think there's, there's been significant moments where I almost didn't. Like, I almost didn't step into something that was set in front of me. And I think, man, what would I, what I have missed out on? So you, you go back in time. You go to circa 1999. And this is a big transitional season of my life. I just finished up all of my schooling. And, and now it's time to step into that great adventure of adulthood. You know, and as you're a kid, you're like, it's going to be so awesome and clear. It was anything but clear. Anything but awesome, because there were no prospects where I was living at the time in, in L.A. and Southern California. And, and so I just remember my, my friend Andy had connected with me and, and reached out and just said, like, hey, well, Joe, why don't you move down to San Diego? Because this church that I'm a part of, it's an incredible church, and there's always opportunities there. But, like, I can't give you a job. I mean, I can give you, like, 10 hours a week working with middle school students, and I, I dislike middle school students. Um, and you can just bum in my house for free. And I'm like, cool, I want to be a mooch. And, and it's just like... Like, but, but why, don't, why don't you just come on down? And I remember he was so in my corner that he actually drove up halfway to meet me at a Starbucks to just talk with me and say like that. And, and this was his, his punchline to sell me on this. Well, what else are you going to do? And I was like, yes, life plan, here I go. And, 
And so I remember this, this epic moment in that year of getting ready and packing everything I have in this little truck I had rented, and my folks had shown up to, to kind of help see me out of my apartment and send me on the road. I remember my mom just comes up with me, and like, you know, like moms can be really great sometimes, and then moms can be too much sometimes, and like, I love you, mom. I know you're going to watch this, so just, you know, I still love you, but there's those moments, right? And um, I remember she was like, aren't you so excited? And I just said, like, mom, I feel like crap. Because honestly, I think I'm just going down to San Diego to fail miserably in a few months to come back home and be the guy that lives with you through his 20s. So this is how excited I was about this time. And yet, let me tell you, I'm so glad I went. Because my life has been forever changed because of that opportunity I stepped into. And, And yet, what I was wrestling with in that time, like what I wanted was certainty. Like what I wanted was like a clearly marked out plan with like paint by number steps and and I wanted to have a, a map that was so clear that I knew that if I just went in this direction, everything would be painted out perfectly. My life would be fine because I didn't want to get lost. Or worse, I didn't want to screw things up, like especially my life. And, and that's what it feels like sometimes when, when these moments are set before us and we're like, do we or not? And, and I think what I've come to discover is I, I, as I've hopefully grown a little bit older and wiser and gained some perspective, like when I look back on that season of my life, what I've come to realize is even though I was panicked and freaking out, you know who wasn't? Like God wasn't freaking out. I, I think if anything, God was just kind of like, like in that space with me waiting, almost with like bated breath, Joel, what are you going to do? Like, are, are you, are you going to look to me and, and trust me and, and lean on me and, and step into this adventure with me or not? And I think God was just so wanting to see what it was I was going to do in that moment because I, I do believe that God has plans and dreams for my life. I mean, I think he has plans and dreams for your life, but I think sometimes it gets confusing for us when we talk about that because I think sometimes when we talk about things like that, it's like we, we have this image of our mind that, that God has like this engineering blueprints where everything is figured out ahead of time and, and your job and my job is to try and figure it out so that we don't screw things up. Like, like, like trying to figure out our future is like trying to put together Ikea furniture, and I got to do it right. And I got to take this weird Swedish drawing of weird marshmallow people and ignore the fact that it says work with two and just I'm going to do it by myself and, and hope I get the little, little tool right. And, and somehow I have this finished product that looks like everyone else's living room. Instead of maybe God's like, no, it's not like that at all. I, I, I want you to create a life with me that looks totally different. And, and I know that, that actually might sound strange to some of you, especially those of us who have like a deep religious background to, to think of this idea that, that, that maybe God doesn't have a blueprint. Like, it might sound strange to you because if you have a high view of God, I think that might sound confusing. But let me tell you, I have a high view of God. Like, I, I think God is amazing. He's, he's big and brilliant and, and creative and powerful. And I do believe that God is in control. But I don't think it means that he's in control like, like he's some kind of puppet master in the sky pulling all the strings, and, and our job is to be like Pinocchio and, and kind of figure out how to dance in Stromboli's sideshow. And yet, I think sometimes that's how we think about God. And we're just hoping that it's, it's happy Stromboli, not dark, dysfunctional Stromboli, right? And I think that's kind of our wrestle with what's going on. And, and I think that, that because of this, there's this tension that is created within us, that, that we wrestle with these ideas of God. Because like, like this idea, like, like if God is sovereign then are we really free? 
I mean, like free in any meaningful sense to, to make real choices that, that are valuable and matter. And yet, if we are free, like, like really, really free, then is God actually in control? And how do we do that? And I think the tension kind of comes in like this. The challenge that we have to wrestle with with questions like this is, is that I think sometimes we, have to, we, we feel like we have to diminish him or us in order to make sense of all of it. Like, like some of them will know that I, I needed to diminish God so that I feel like I do have enough freedom and control of my life. But the problem when I diminish God is, is that I need a God who's really big that can help me at times in my life. But if I've diminished God so much, then, then how can I actually hope that he can help me when it all falls apart? And sometimes I think that's like, like the view of God that we have is kind of like grandpa in the sky. Like nice old man, and yet when it's falling apart, he just hands me a lollipop. Hey, good luck with that. It's like, I'm, I, can, I need more than a lollipop. And yet the alternative then is, like, well, no, I need to have this high view of God. And somehow I have to diminish myself. Diminish myself into being a kind of person who doesn't really have a whole lot of choice. And, and again, I just have to figure out how to figure out life because God is in control. And i got to figure out what his thoughts and plans are. And, and yet that doesn't make life very exciting because it just feels like, I guess my job is just to figure out these predetermined hoops. Like I'm in the Yukonuba dog show and, and hope I can jump through the hoops right and get the little ribbon or doggy biscuit or whatever the dog gets at the end of that. Yeah, I don't know, but yet neither of those sound very fun to me or appealing. And so you know how I've solved this? I just embrace the mystery. I just say, okay, there's tension. I don't know how it works out. I don't know how God can be sovereign and I can be free. And yet what I know is that God is, is so incredibly big and, again, brilliant and beautiful, and I'm not going to fully understand it. And yet this God, who is incredibly big, also comes and invites me into context with him so that I can begin to partner with him and, and enjoy and explore and go through life with him. And, and that does somehow lead to a meaningful purposeful kind of life this life i think that god wants to invite all of us into and and see i, I think when when we begin to understand god in in ways like that god god's not a puppet master i think god's far more like an artist an artist who who has created us as living masterpieces to actually partner with him in life and he says hey what what are we going to do together today I've created you in this world to do amazing things, and, and I'm inviting you into this, this incredible drama, and I, and I have a part for you to play, and, and I have a role for you, and yet I want you to, to kind of figure out what that is with me as you get to know who I am, and, and this God who invites us to walk with him, and, and where we get to step into the wonder and awe of doing life with him. I, I think that's a far more beautiful picture of who God is. And what that means is that life is not simply something to be endured, though we have to endure seasons of life. And, and life is not simply something that we have to figure out, though there's times where we're trying to figure it out. I think when we understand life like this in context with God, we realize that, that life is actually an adventure to be lived. Something to chase after, something to run after. With God, who is inviting us into his goodness, so we can discover more of who he is, and in light of him, we see more of who we are, and we get to step into this creative project with him and chase after the beautiful things of life with him. And, and so I think what that means is that there will be moments that God sets before us, and then he says, what will you make of this? What will you do with this? What are you going to do? And it's like he's saying, I just can't wait to see what you're going to do 
with these things I've given you, this opportunity I've set before you. And I, I don't know if you've ever thought of God like that. But when I, when I think of God like that, 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 that kind of an idea, God as artist inviting me into the creative process with him, it sounds very different than a lot of the religious stuff I grew up with. I don't know, how many of you grew up with some kind of religious something? A few of us? Yeah. You can, sorry, you can raise your hand. It's okay to be honest. Yeah. And, and isn't it interesting, those of us that kind of grew up with that, sometimes what we were taught was that we had to figure it out, and it's all about the ritual and the rules and getting it right. And so we show up, and it's like stand up, sit down, fight, fight, fight. Like, you got to get, like, the, the formula correct so that we can have, like, okay, God is not going to smite me this week. Yay. Like, like that was the whole goal. And I think God looks at that and he goes, that, that's, that's stupid. That's not what I wanted. And I think that's what's so amazing about encountering Jesus. That when we begin to really discover him and, and who he is, and we look at what his closest friends wrote about him and, and these things that we call the gospels, these good news stories about Jesus. Like when we actually begin to encounter Jesus, we begin to realize Jesus didn't come to start some new religious endeavor. Like Jesus actually came to fulfill this promise that God had made to us as a species that he loves to rescue us and redeem us. Jesus actually came to restore something in us with God, to, to restore brokenness and this relationship that we are created for. And, and I think that's the beautiful thing about encountering Jesus, that, that he's come to, to fix something so that we can step back into the life we are meant to live, to begin to play our magnificent part in this creative drama of God at work in us and through us. And so I think it's really neat when you pay attention to Jesus. And so I, I want to take a look at something that he says here to, to some of his first followers. And, and this is him speaking in, in our last book that we have in our collection of books in the Bible, a book that we call Revelations. And that's a wild book. I don't know if you've ever tried to read through that. It's fun, and it's what, and you're scratching your head, and I think it's okay to say, I don't know, and just be like, okay, cool, help me figure this out someday. But but what's, what's going on here in this book called Revelations is that one of his closest friends, John, is near the end of his life, and, and he's having a kind of a vision, and Jesus is showing up, and he's like, John, I want to show you some things, and I know you're not going to make sense of it, but I actually want to tell you some things I want you to tell some of the churches in this time. And so one of the things that, that Jesus shows John that he wants John to tell one of the churches has some neat thoughts for us on this idea of opportunities. And so this is what Jesus says in Revelation chapter 3. To a church in the city of Philippi in its day. And, and so it says, write this letter to the angel of the church in Philadelphia. And again, so he, he's saying, I want you to speak to the leadership. And whether that's a spiritual leadership or a physical leadership, we don't know. But it's just that's that idea. Like, like, here's what I want you to tell them. It says, this is a message from the one who is holy and true. The one who has the key of David. And then again, Jesus is speaking of his identity as this person who came from, from this ancient lying the, the line of David, and again, there's a lot of history in this, but basically God made a promise to the shepherd turned king one day that through him he was going to restore the whole world. And Jesus is saying like, and that's me, and I have the key of that promise in my hand. And so he goes on and he says, what he opens, talking about himself, what he opens no one can close, and what he closes no one can open. And so then he goes on to encourage these, these Christians who are suffering significant persecution in their day. And he says, I know all the things you do. And I have opened a door for you that no one can close. You have little strength, yet you obeyed my word and did not deny me. Like, I know you're holding fast. And I love that about you. You haven't given up, even though it's been challenging and hard. And, and they were facing serious persecution because a lot of the first Christians 
were coming out of their religion, their Judaism, and following Jesus. And a lot of the, the Jewish religious leadership around them didn't like them and would persecute them. And, and so Jesus is like, hey, I'm going to go to bat for you. So look at what he says. He says, look, I will force those who belong to Satan's synagogue. I think that would be a cool name for a church, but it would be really awkward. Right? I just, I don't know. We'd have to figure out how to, to mess with that. But like what Jesus is saying is like, look, the people that are persecuting you, they're not, they're not on my team. They're on the other team. He goes, those liars who say they're Jews, but they're not. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to force them to come and bow at your feet, and they will acknowledge that you are the ones I love. I mean, what a beautiful promise. What Jesus is saying is, hey, all those people that are tearing you apart, I'm going to work in their story. They're going to come to a point where they're going to have to acknowledge the fact that, oh, Jesus really loves you because look at what he's doing. What a hope-filled promise when someone's just beating you down and, and Jesus is like, I'm going to take care of this. Just wait. And he says, because you have obeyed my command to persevere, I will protect you from the great time of testing that will come upon the whole world to test those who belong to this world. I'm coming soon. I mean, that's the hope. I haven't just walked away and said, good luck. Like, I'm at work in the story, and I'm coming back to wrap things up. And so hold on to what you have so that no one will take away your crown. And he says, all who are victorious will become pillars in the temple of my God, and, and they will never have to leave it. And I will write on them the name of my God, and they will be citizens in the city of my God, the new Jerusalem that comes down from heaven from my God. And I will write, also write on them my new name. Okay, if you have a problem with tattoos, you are not going to like the future. Because what Jesus is saying is, I'm going to tat you with God's name and my name. You're in my gang now. And we roll into victory. Like, how cool is that? To know that I belong to someone who's going to claim me as his own. Never abandon me. Never reject me. Never forsake me. And he wins. And that's what Jesus is saying here. And so he says, anyone... With ears to hear, must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. And I love what Jesus is saying here because something that just jumps out to me as we look at what he's talking about here in this, this, this letter to these first Christians, he's saying is, is that he, that Jesus, makes the way forward possible for us. So if you're in a place in life where you're like, I don't think I can make any progress, Listen, let me tell you, if Jesus is in the story, he's going to make the way forward possible because did you catch what he said? Did you catch what he said earlier in this little section? Who, who, who opens the door? Look at what Jesus says. I know all the things you do, and I have opened a door for you that no one can close. So have you ever just been going through life, and you're like, I can't get through. And like, Jesus is kind of like, oh, VIP, come here, you're with me. Like, you, we can go into the club right now, because I opened the door. You're with me. He's the one who makes the way forward possible for all of us. And I love that because what that means is you and I don't have to stress about opening doors in our life. Because he's already ahead of us, clearing the path, making that possible. Which means that what we need to do is begin to partner with him. And what he wants to do in our lives with him through us. And then have the courage to step into the things he set before us. And see, I think that's where the real challenge comes. Because if courage is involved, there must be a reason we need courage. Because easy things don't require courage, do they? Big things, bold things, great things require courage. And often the reason we wrestle is because that door in front of us, when we begin to find it, may not be a door we want to go through. 
You know, like, can I choose door B, Jesus? Like, I'd rather go this direction. He's like, no, I've got something for you. Come on, let's go through this. And I think the reason we wrestle with that is because often how things seem to be to us in the moment are not actually how they are because Jesus sees things that we don't always see. And all we can see is like, this doesn't look like what I wanted. This looks like a challenge. This isn't where I thought things would be. And we go through it. And I think we have to realize that just because Jesus opens doors for us doesn't mean it will always feel good to walk through those doors. I think we just got to wrestle with that reality. I mean, those of you that, that are married today right now, can you remember when you used to think how awesome it was to get married to the person next to you? Remember when you thought, like, oh, this is going to be so great? There's a little cynicalness in my question. But, I mean, you, 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 right? like, you remember that? Like, like, there was a point in time when you were meeting this person, and you're like, I cannot wait to step into this with you. It's going to be awesome. And then you step into it with them, and then you realize there's a lot of work over here. <laughs> you are very different than I thought. And if we're going to be really honest, and I'm a piece of work too. And we're suddenly on the other side of that, that open door realizing it's not as easy as we thought. Or, or maybe it's not that. Maybe for you it's, it's like there was this new season of life that you were so excited to step into and you would put money on the table that Jesus was leading you into it. And you stepped into that moment only to realize this is not how I thought it was going to go. This is way harder than I was expecting. Or there's this new job that you, you, you're tackling because you think Jesus is leading you down a path. And you're like, it was, you thought he was going to take you to the corner office and it was a plush life. And you're stepping into it and you're like, Jesus, how come, like work is hard. I'm a millennial. I didn't know this. Right? Like, just saying, that's Gen X talking, the wisdom of Gen X. <laughs> or maybe, maybe you thought you were going to walk through life with someone and it left you holding the bag. And now you're trying to figure out, how do I do this, Jesus? Because I thought we were in it together, and they left, and now I'm on my own. And maybe you're just wrestling with being a parent. Parenting isn't easy. You know what would make parenting so easy? If the kids weren't involved. <laughs> right? So what if? What if the reason Jesus places those open doors before you isn't so that it will be easy? But what if he places those open doors before you so that you will partner with him? And stepping into those places so that with him at work in your story, you can actually make something new of this. Make something better of this. Make something good come to life because you're partnering with him in the adventure, in the endeavor. And as you join with him in the creative process, he begins to work in you and through you. And not only will you be transformed, you'll bring transformation with you. What if that was the point of the open door? And see, just because Jesus opens a door doesn't mean it's always going to feel good. And the reason open doors don't always feel good is because they almost always challenge our comfortableness today. And whether or not we'll be willing to get out of the lazy boy and step into the adventure of something new. I, lo I love how author and pastor John Ortberg captures this in his book, All the Places You Go, How Will You Know? He says this, he says, very rarely in the Bible does God come to someone and say, stay. Oh, your life looks awesome. Just stay. Just sit there till it's over. 
Almost never does God interrupt someone and ask them to remain in comfort, safety, and familiarity. He opens a door and calls them to come through it. Hey, here's an opportunity I have for you. What are you going to do with it? Are you going to step into something new? Are you going to take the risk? Are you going to leave behind what's comfortable today to create something beautiful tomorrow? And I think that's how God likes to work. I think that's what Jesus wants to do so much. And I think regardless of how we feel about those open doors, regardless of about how we feel as we're passing through those open doors, do you know what we always have the ability to do? You know what we always are in every moment? We are free to choose. We're free to choose if we're going to continue taking the next step. We're free to choose if we're going to go forward through that opportunity, through that open door, or step back and not. And I don't know if we realize just how powerful we actually are as human beings. Do you realize how incredibly powerful you are? Because you were created in the image of God. That's what we were told in the opening story, that God did something with this unique amongst all his creation. And I don't care if you think it's allegory or not. I don't care if it's young or older. Forget all that. That's not the point of Genesis. You know what the point of Genesis 1 is? God did something awesome, and he said we were awesome too. That's the point. And that God did something incredible with us, and we're told that he breathed his life into us so that we would be like him in this world. So that where we walked, we took the breath of God with us. Wherever we set foot, the kingdom of God was at work in us and through us, and we were to reflect him in the world around us to one another. Do you realize how, incredible power, how incredibly powerful we are? And I think we forget that at times. Like, oh, I'm just me. And God's like, there is no just you. You're you, and you're awesome. So step into it. And we see this. We see this. Like, you know what one of the first things God told us when he created us was, when you read the stories in the, in the first few chapters of Genesis, you know what one of the first things was? Beyond the go have sex and make, it, make life fun. Like, that, that was actually one of the first things he said. It was really cool when you think about it. Like, God said, hey, be fruitful and multiply. It's like he put on the candlelight and turned on the berry white and said, go for it. Like, I love that that was God's heart for us. Like, this is a good thing. Enjoy it. But beyond that, you know what one of the first things was that he told us? And we miss it all the time because we get hung up on the one thing he told us not to do. This is what it says in Genesis 2. It says that the Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. You realize we were meant to be the guardians and stewards of this world. That's one of our callings as people created in the image of God. And But the Lord God warned him, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden. Except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. And so check this out. We look at this and we're like, God, you're so restrictive. Come on. And yet God was looking out for us. He's like, hey, there's one thing that's not for you because I don't want you to lose your innocence. I don't want you to know evil from the context of actually living it out because that's going to mark you. and It will actually lead you from life into death. And we're like, God, how come I can't eat that one tree? And what we forget is what he said. How many other trees did he say we could enjoy? All of them. All of this is for you. Just not this one thing. And yet we get hung up. Why not the one thing? You're so mean, God. And God's like, over here. Go play. Like that. I mean, have you done that with your kids? All right, here's the rules. And if you're like like trying to be a good parent and you're trying to minimize your no, and you're like, all of this is for you, just not this one thing. And what, like, this thing? 
Yeah. Like when I was getting a tour of this new facility, there were people who were showing me things, and they were like, okay, and then Jack has a workshop over here. Don't mess with Jack's workshop. <laughs> Guess what I did the first evening when I was here by myself? I went and messed with Jack's workshop. Why? Because that's what you do. And yet, I think what we do is we miss the point of what God said. You are free. I have created you, breathed my life in you. I'm unleashing you in this world so you can join me in the creative wonder of it all. And I think we're never more free than when we do that. And yet despite our freedom, we don't always feel free, do we? Despite our freedom, we don't always feel powerful, do we? Despite the way God created us, intended for us to live, we don't always feel capable, do we? And I think so often my response to the open doors that God places before me, the things that Jesus wants to call me into, this is, this is my super spiritual, I'm a spiritual leader, I'm your pastor response to Jesus so many times. I can't do that. What are you talking about? And I wrestle with that. Which means I think we have, let's, let's, so let's go back and look at what Jesus said to those first Christians in, in Revelation 3.8. He says this, he says, I know all the things you do, and I have opened a door for you that no one can close. You are incredibly strong. I know you can do it. If you weren't strong, I wouldn't have opened the door for you. Oh, that's not what it says. I know all the things you do, and I have opened a door for you that no one can close. You have little strength. Yet you obeyed my word and did not deny me. So in, in Jesus' framework of looking at us, how much strength does it take to go through an open door? Apparently not a whole lot. Apparently it just takes enough strength to say, okay, and step into it. And let him meet us in that process. Apparently it doesn't take a whole lot of strength to step into the opportunities God has for us because Jesus is the one working in our story now. He's the one working with us, inviting us into it with him. So maybe we need to stop doubting the one who opens the doors and start doubting our own fears and insecurities. Maybe. Because what if? What if we chose to get over our inferiority complexes and we actually had the audacity to believe what God thinks about us, that we are capable of great things? How would that change the way we lived and how we lived in the world around us? And so maybe we could do that. And yeah, I'll just be the first to say I'm constantly wrestling with my identity in this. My feelings of insecurity versus the things that God calls me to. Like I wrestle with this as a, as a leader. Because I, I'm like, I, I was just sharing with our guest experiences team. I was like, I kind of envy you guys. Because I would love to just have the role that just gets to work in the back line. Because that's how I'm wired naturally. Like, but yet God looks at me, hey, Joel, I want you to come up here and lead. And I'm like, me? God, I'm not an alpha. That's never been me. I've never been the, the machismo one walking around the campus. I've been the guy hiding so he doesn't get his butt kicked. Like, that's me. God, you, 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 you want me to, like, step into things like this? Like, Jesus, I don't understand. Like, what, what do you see about me that I don't see? Because I don't know who that guy is that you seem to think I am. Hey, Joel, Joel I want you to, to get up in front of people and teach you know I have a fear of public speaking. Like, why would you ask me to do that? I don't always understand the things that he does, but you know what I've had to learn to do? I've had to learn to say, okay, I guess you see something in me I don't, and, and I, I, I've known you long enough to know that you're not setting me up to mess with me. 
So I'm going to trust you. So here we go. And time and time again, I've seen him show up in my story and do incredible things. Time and time again. And I love that when we're willing to exercise the freedom he's given us to trust him, he'll lead us into amazing things. Viktor Frankl writes this in his book, Man's Search for Meaning. Powerful words when you feel the weight of what he says here. He says, everything can be taken from a man but one thing. The last of the human freedoms to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's own way. That's powerful, but I could look at that and I'm like, well, great, Vic, did you write that from a corner office? Sounds easy. Until you realize that he wrote that after surviving the Holocaust. It's like, okay, what did you discover that I'm still figuring out? And I think there's something powerful when we understand that because of Jesus at work in our stories, we can choose our way forward and step into the opportunities that he has for us because he's at work in our stories. And so let me tell you how my prayer goes with Jesus all the time. Jesus, you brought me to this, so you better see me through this, because here I come. I'm stepping into the moment you set before me, and I need you to show up, and I need you to do your thing in my life. And, and so what happens? What happens when we give Jesus our yes, and we step through the opportunities that he sets before us? What happens when we do that? Let me tell you a couple of things. Let me tell you something that will happen when you and I say yes and step into those opportunities. We become more. We grow. And we become more of the men and women we were created to be. Let me tell you, I look back in that, that season in 1999 that made no sense, that was terrifying. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful that my buddy Andy was hearing God's voice to speak into my life and called me into that spot. Because let me tell you what happened when I said yes. I moved down to San Diego. I discovered that you don't have to live in smog. <laughs> All sorts of good things happened. I met Christy. Would never have seen that coming. I got to step into one of the healthiest churches I've ever gotten to be a part of and got to see what good leadership looks like when good leadership isn't hung up on itself. I got to see Jesus show up in my story in ways that, hey, if I actually trust you and it doesn't make sense, like you actually lead me into good things, I would never have said yes to crazy things like Canada had I not said yes to San Diego because he was doing something to me. And I don't tell you that because look how great I am. I tell you that because look how great he can be in the story, in your story, when you give him your yes. And so what's waiting for you on the other side of that opportunity that's set in front of you right now? What's, what's he just waiting to do in you and through you, almost with, with bated breath, saying, here it is, what are you going to do? What's waiting for you when you're there in that moment? And let me tell you, you're so much bigger than you realize. You've been created in the image of God, so don't settle for anything less. And Jesus said that we would do great things as we walked with him. In fact, Jesus says, this, is, this blows my mind, that Jesus would say this about us. In John 14, Jesus says this, because I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same things I have done and even greater works because I'm going to go be with the Father. Now I hear that and I'm like, Jesus, you did some pretty freaking awesome stuff. And so what you're saying to those of us who would follow you is that we'll do the same thing and even greater things? Well, that's for the super saints, the guys we put in the stained glass windows, right, Jesus? No, what does he say? Who? It's right there. Look at the words. Anyone. That's you and me. Last time I checked, we're a part of anyone. 
And what Jesus is saying is, if you say yes to me and step into the adventures I have for you, you're going to do great things. And then he goes on and he says, you can ask me for anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Because he's a part of the journey with us now. And So what's waiting for you on the other side of your yes? What's God wanting to do? And when we choose to step through the doors, not only do we become more, but look at what else happens. We create life. We create life in this world all around us when we step into the things that God has for us. Because we become a part of the creative endeavor that God wants to do. You know what that means? There's no such thing as an ordinary day. Ever. What that means is that there are extraordinary moments that we either step into or we sleep through. That's what that means. And so when we're willing to say, show me, just give me eyes to see, and then give me the courage to step into it, I get to be a part of creating life for other people. And sometimes the greatest opportunities you have are just how you will choose to treat the people around you tomorrow. When you step into the places where you work, the people you're living with, the people you treat and see, experienced this a few weeks ago when our family went down to San Francisco just to explore and be tourists before we become regular people. And we were just hanging out around the city. We were in a very like, busy part of the day, crowded. The streets were just cars and hundreds of people just crossing in. And we're waiting for the light to change. And I remember I was watching one of the traffic cops, and she was crushing it. Like, it was all, like she was just like, foom, 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 foom. And like cars and people. And it was amazing. And I was just watching her and thinking, she's doing awesome. But I could just tell by her countenance, it was like she's just kind of doing her whole home job, job. And I'm like, someone needs to tell her she's doing something, like she's doing great. And then God's like, yeah, so you should tell her. And I'm like, that would be awkward, God. <laughs> and God's like, oh, it was your idea. <laughs> so the light turns green, and I'm kind of like, you're killing it, which I realized was the wrong phrase to tell a cop, but <laughs> the intention was understood because she looked at me as I said it, and it was like something turned on inside of her, and she's like, yes, I am killing it. <laughs> you go. I mean, she was like, and her whole countenance and her demeanor changed in that moment, and I was like, oh, that wasn't so hard, was it? Like, and so then we're crossing the next street, and it was so cool because there was another traffic cop over there, and then Brooklyn, my youngest, was apparently paying attention to this moment because she sees the other cop, and she's like, you're killing it! <laughs> and I realized in this moment, I created life for her and for my daughter because I stepped into the thing that God wanted. And what, is that a small thing? Yeah, but you know what happens when you say yes to enough small things? You begin to create life for other people. And so who's waiting for you? Who's waiting for you on the other side of that opportunity? Because God is waiting for you to step into their orbit so you can bring life to them. So you can show them what a person who knows they are loved looks like. And they can experience God's love through you because you're saying yes to that opportunity, to that moment. So we're going to spend some weeks talking about open doors and talking about the opportunities that God wants to lead us into because I think when we get a hold of this, it changes who we are, it changes how we live, and it it's, sets us free to change the world around us. And so that means we're going to explore things like, okay, God, what, what do we need to understand about you? Because I, I thought you were like this. I thought you were Stromboli. And not that there's anything wrong with Italians, but you're, you're actually a very cool, life-giving Italian, not this guy. And, 
And God, what do I need to understand about this world that, that you've created and, and I have a part to play in? And God, what do I need to understand about me? And so I hope you'll join us in this journey. Because I think if we will continue to lean in together and, and ask him to give us eyes to see and ears to hear, he's going to change us. And through us, we're going to change our county and our city and the world. Because I think there's a world that's just screaming to say, who am I? I don't know who I am anymore. I'm, I'm sick of the stuff. I want meaning and purpose. And if we can maybe show them this is what it looks like. Join us on the journey. And so who needs to come with you next week? Because they need to hear the things that we're talking about. And so here's what I want you to do this week. This week, just here's, here's your practical application. Ask Jesus to show you an open door or two. And it can start as simple as this. Jesus, help me to see the things that you're doing, the things that you want me to step into. So ask him to show you an open door or two, and then have the audacity to step through it. God, thank you that you look at us, and even though we're messed up, broken people, you don't look at us and say, what's up with them? You look at us and say, I love them. I love them so much, I want to bring them back to the destiny they were created for. And so would you work in us? Would you work in our stories? Would you show up and would you open doors for us and then give us the courage to step through them so we can join you in being who we were meant to be in this world? Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.